Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis, oh yeah. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning on a beautiful morning. We're glad to have you with us this morning. And um, we have a program lined up. If you really kind of have been thinking about all the issues that you get when you get from the government, these are government decisions that you have to make. That's today's program. My guests are going to be Shannon Dyson and Ted Miner. Shannon is going, of course, you've heard many, many times, and Ted also many, many times on this program Shannon's going to talk about an update on health care, on the Affordable Care Act. In fact, let me give you a statistic. 36% of the, United, of, the, of the geographic rating areas in the United States are projected, this is projected in 2017, to have just one health insurance coverage company offering coverage to the state health insurance exchange. Now, you know, only that's a third of our country is only going to have one carrier, and I do think that is what we consider to be non-competition or non-competitive. That could be a problem, and Shannon's going to share some light on that, give us some insight, and help us understand just how that affects us as we move into 2017, as we move into this next decade of can we afford the Affordable Care Act? That's going to be the question. And then, of course, looking at the second half of the program, Ted Miner, how long will Social Security last? Now, those are that's a question that we get a lot, and I really want, you know, both of these guys are going to dive into some questions that we get a lot of times. How much is it going to cost me if I'm in the Affordable Care Act, if I'm buying private insurance? And then, of course, Ted's question is, just how long will Social Security last? It's amazing how many people literally don't feel comfortable that they're going to have any benefit from Social Security. Well, Ted's going to share some insight to us about that. He's going to help us understand it, and uh, we're going to dive in that in a in a way that I think is uh, is pretty interesting because these guys are going to keep us very very level headed. In fact, let me give you this thought. Here's what a lot of people are concerned about. The U.S. government reported a national debt of $18.151 trillion, trillion with a T. That's in August the 31st of 2015. It's just a year ago. Okay. <coughs> now, the reason why that's a problem is because the U.S. government reported a national debt of $19.51 trillion as of August the 31st, 2016. So it is kind of plays into our thought process here. Can the government continue to offer Social Security? Can the government continue to give us Affordable Care Act when you've got 36% of the geographic rating areas in the United States are projected to have only one health insurance company offering coverage to the state health insurance exchange it's a concern. It's a problem. We're going to talk about it. We're going to dive into it, slice it and dice it, do all the things we're supposed to do right here on Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guest again today, Shannon Dyson with the Affordable Care Act, and then Ted Miner. Will Social Security last, I'm going to say, forever? That's going to be the question. So stay with us. We'll be back right after this. and Ted Miner, registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Podcasts of the Talk Money program are available for iOS mobile devices. Go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. 
Talk Money will return right after this. Time now for your AM 990 traffic report, and now here's Bill York. Right now, we have an injury crash. Walnut Grove Road heading westbound right before you get to Interstate 240. We have the fire department on the scene as well as police. That's westbound Walnut Grove Road, just east of Interstate 240. This report is brought to you by the Tennessee Lottery. Scratch your way to wild winnings. Play the new wild family of instant games from the Tennessee Lottery for your chance to win up to $500,000 instantly. Stop by any Tennessee Lottery retailer and play today. It's wild how much you can win. I'm Heather York with Traffic on AM 990. <laughs> AM 990 Weathercast is brought to you by Herbie Systems Residential and Industrial Lawn Care. Call 901-382-LAWN. Your Friday forecast on AM 990, mostly sunny and hot, isolated showers and thunderstorms, highs in the lower 90s, southwest winds at 5 to 10, partly cloudy tonight, lows dropping to the mid-70s. Highway 70 Car Care Services, over 8,000 customers per year. They have the lowest prices on BF Goodrich, Michelin, and other tires, and with a nationwide warranty, go with the best. Go with Highway 70 Car Care at the corner of Germantown Parkway and Highway 70 north of Wolf Chase. That's a look at your Friday forecast from the News Channel 3 Weather Center on AM 990. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Securian Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I tell you, we have a program just jam-packed. Update on health care, the Affordable Care Act. I think the statistic I was giving to you prior to the break, 36% of the geographic rating areas in the United States are projected to have just one Health insurance company offering coverages through the state health insurance exchanges in 2017. One out of three in the United States. Now, this this gets to be a problem, so let me introduce my guest, Shannon Dyson, a frequent uh, guest here on the Talk Money. Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you. Good to be back. Well, you know, we talked about this before, and I and this has been a question that a lot of people... We You actually mentioned this risk corridor... Oh, I can't remember, but it's been a, a topic that we've actually talked about many, many times. Yeah. And it seems to me that as we, you know, you said it was going to end in 2016. Right. Is this the issue that we're seeing? Well, there's a lot of things going on here. The, the statistic you just mentioned with only one carrier being available for a third of the country, Aetna dropping out of 11 of 15 markets that they're currently in, and then this whole risk corridor issue that we've mentioned before, none of that bodes well for pricing. Um, and I think we're going to get into what we're expecting the 2017 pricing to be. But the risk corridor, just briefly, what kind of what that is, uh, when the Affordable Care Act was launched in 2010, um, the insurance carriers were a little bit uh, skeptical. And they said, you know, we're, we're not being able to ask any health questions. We can't have any preexisting conditions. We have no idea what health conditions we're bringing on board. Uh, what you know? So we need some assurances from the government that we are not going to have claims that are just outrageously high. And so what the government said was, okay, that's fine. What we're going to do is we're going to back you up. If you have claims that go over 100%, then we are going to help you pay those claims. And so what they said was, if the claims are more than 3% of your projections, so Blue Cross says, you know, I think we're going to have, and I'm using round numbers here, we're going to have $50 million in claims for 2014. Um, and they actually have $23 million in claims for 2014. Well, the government is going to help them pay 50% of that overage. And so they had a, basically a warm blanket that said if we go too high or if we project too low on our claims, the government's going to step in and help us make up the difference on those claims. But that's going away. But that is going away. And now, so what we talked about was what's that going to do to the rates? Why is that <laughs> not in the media today? I why don't know. Because you and I talked about in preparation for the program you can't, you don't hear about it. Yeah. There's nobody reporting it. 
it's going to go away. And I'm going right. to forewarn anybody listening to the future, the next few minutes of this program, it is not for the timid, the shy, the unhealthy. <laughs> We're going to tell you a dollar amount, a percentage, that if you have health care, in fact, I'm going to ask you, if you're driving, pull off the side of the road. Right. If you're walking around in the house, Sit listen down. to the radio, have a seat, because this is terrible. <laughs> this is bad stuff, and it's not being reported. It's almost being shoveled under the carpet and said, hey, maybe if nobody wakes up in the morning and it doesn't hit them hard enough, nobody's going to know. But right. this is a big number. It's a huge number, and, and if even on the increases for the state of Tennessee, Doing research, trying to find, you know, you'd think that there would be publications publicizing these numbers all over the place, but do a search. It's hard. It's still hard to find what the actual increases are going to be when you're just doing a Google search and trying to look for it yourself. And it's definitely not all over the news like you would think that it would be. It's a big enough number. It ought to be making headlines. Exactly. No doubt. No doubt about it. Tennessee. Yes. Our home state. The great state, the volunteer state of Tennessee. Yes. Approved. Our insurance commissioner approved a rate increase. Now, I'm going to call it large. I'm going to call it humongous. Yep. I don't even know if that's a word. I think it's a word. I'm I gonna, mean, I think it's a I'm word. I'm going to call it gigantic. <laughs> I mean, this is amazing that it's not being talked about in the media. It's not being discussed. Seriously, if you're driving, folks, pull off the side of the road. This number is going to scare you to death. On Blue Cross Blue Shield, on individual coverage for Blue Cross of Tennessee, Humana, and Cigna, right. what's the increase? Blue Cross is, has had an approved increase from the state of Tennessee of 62%. So all Blue Cross clients, you're, be, you're getting letters. You've already gotten letters letting you know that there was going to be a going large be. increase. Just, <laughs> what they're trying to do is slide it to you. There's going to be a large increase is what the letter said from the clients from Blue Cross of Tennessee. Did they use the word humongous? Gigantic? They said large. <laughs> they did large. say large. <laughs> Expect a large Expect increase. Expect a large increase. <laughs> but this 62%. is the kind of stuff that wears me out. They, we know about the risk order. It's not being reported. We're going to talk. Obama could fix this. You know, he could make some changes. Sure. He's, He's got, got four, four months. months. How much, Deb? He's got four months. Four months. You know? But this is, I mean, to the average person out there who, the word large, well, large could be 10% to me. I mean, that could be huge. But yeah. 60%. Well, to put that in kind of just numbers that we can all deal with, I have a client uh, that I'm in a group with, and he was talking to me last week, and he said, look, man, you've been talking about these increases that are coming from Blue Cross of Tennessee. He said, if they really increase 60%, my family rate is going to go up to $2,000 per month for just regular insurance. He's, I can't afford that. How in the world are they going to charge me 60% more than what I'm currently paying? They what don't are we want going to insuring. do? So he's got a decision to make. Sure he does. You know, he, he can keep that same plan, pay the increase. He can make some changes within his plan. And I think that's what a lot of people will be forced to do. They'll be forced to make some hard decisions and say, maybe I cannot have this lower deductible any longer. Maybe I cannot have an office visit copay any longer. I'm going to have to raise my deductible. I'm going to have to raise it to five or $6,000 a year. Or I can't go on vacation any longer. Maybe we can't afford the second car anymore. Maybe we can't go and keep our kids in a private school. All of the above. I right. mean, obviously, there's some very, very hard decisions have to be made. When you're talking about an increase of 800 to to $1,000 per month more than what you're currently paying for anything, health insurance, whatever that may be, that, admit, that makes you make some serious budget decisions, no doubt about it. Okay. All right. 60%. Humana. How much of an increase? Forty-four percent for Humana and forty Cigna. and forty-six percent for Cigna. So across the board, there are going to be large increases with all of the three major carriers that are in the Tennessee market. And again, you're talking about having to make some tough decisions. Ted, Ted Miner, of course, with our office, and uh, also, and he'll be talking about Social Security in the second half. But Ted, give me your opinion. You're sitting down with someone. You're working with a, pro- a client, and all of a sudden, you're having to tell them sixty percent. 46%, 44%. I mean, how do they respond to you? Jim, I came in this morning. I, I had a great night's sleep. I felt really good. <laughs> Y'all really got me upset. <laughs> it doesn't take long. I mean, well, I, when, you know, when they come from corporate America, right? I think a lot of them believe that I've got a big company I'm working for and they've got the confidence they're going to have a great rate. Right. They, they have no idea what's, what's undermining this. Then you get some of them that, that retire early. Then they've got, 
They may be covered a little while in that retirement package, and then they, they've got the, the COBRA for 18 months that they, they look at and they pay, and then all of a sudden they're hit with between the time they retire and uh, Medicare, and it just it blows their budget, especially right now. They haven't planned sure. for something like this, these right. types of numbers. Well, I would have said a large increase, 30% would have been. That's what, what that it was, was last year, last by the year. way. Yeah, I know. Well, another 30%, I might have said, okay, I can handle it. But I can't handle a 60%. You're, you're talking about your client, $1,200 to $2,400 or $1,000 to $2,000. That makes you, forces you to make some changes and some plans. Right, and he, he this particular client is out of the range where he would get any type of subsidy help uh, from the marketplace. Let's so, talk about that for a so second. He's, he's subsidy help. Bill. So is this going to yeah. affect the subsidy, so, those people that are under subsidy? So I think one of the reasons that this is not uh, just, I guess, everywhere full-blown in the news, that everybody knows about it, hears about it, in the state of Tennessee, 85% of, uh, of Tennesseans that go on to the exchange to get their health insurance get some form of subsidy. So when you have 85% of the people that are on the on the healthcare.gov exchange getting some sort of subsidy, what they will see is about a five, an average of about a $5 a month increase to their premium. So virtually no change in what they currently have. Do you think it's possible that this being quiet may have the, to do with the fact that we've got an election here in another couple of months that might impact the I election. think that's part of it, but I also think it's affecting, as, as you just said, Shannon, 15%, and it's middle class. Right. It's the working class. It's the guy that's out there. It's He's having to shoulder this whole thing on his back. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not eligible for the coverage, the subsidy coverage. Right. Explain that real quick. Who's sure. eligible for so, subsidies? So for subsidies, you have uh, every every subsidy in the state of Tennessee is based on your income level and your household size. And so those income ranges vary, and it, the higher the income, the lower subsidy you get. So if you're a single person uh, and you make between $11,000, $11,500 a year and $25,000 a year, you're eligible for a subsidy. If you have a family of four, you make somewhere in the neighborhood between $23,000 and $70,000, you're eligible for subsidized coverage. Of course, the higher you are on that scale, the lower your subsidy will be. The lower you are on the scale, the higher your subsidy will be. And all a subsidy is is basically the government is paying that part of the premium to the insurance carrier on your behalf. So you're getting the same insurance coverage that everybody else is getting. Your Just part of your premium is being subsidized to the insurance carrier. So the ins- insurance carrier is getting the full premium. Um, but it just they're getting <clears throat> they're getting their full premium. So it just matters on who's paying that premium and where the makeup is coming. And who, well, who's the who's the government? Yeah, uh, I yeah. think that's the probably taxpayers. And I, you know, the problem I have with this, I'm not at all saying we don't want to subsidize those that do not have care. The problem is the middle class America, the working class of America. I'm talking about the guy who comes and. Cleans the pool at the house if you happen to have a pool. Maybe the guy that cuts your grass. Maybe the guy that is the auto mechanic at, at a four-person automobile place that doesn't get group insurance. He's got his. He's got to pay this or else not have coverage. He's a family member. He works. He does everything he can to make a good living. Yeah. And he does what he's supposed to do in a, the American dream. Right. And he's getting shot down. Yeah. No, and I don't think anybody in this room thinks that we shouldn't have some way to subsidize coverage to help people pay for insurance that cannot otherwise afford Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But what we've done is created this monster. And this monster says that, well, I'm getting a plan now that has a zero deductible and low co-pays and I'm not having to pay. I'm only paying $100 a month for that plan. Well, the true cost of that plan is probably somewhere around six, seven, eight hundred $800 a month. But if I'm getting that subsidy, I don't feel that. And so the, the problem becomes at this election cycle, wow. why is it so quiet? Because who's going to take that away from the large percentage of Americans that are currently getting those subsidized dollars? Nobody wants to be that guy no, to make, that's to make that statement. Yeah, that's, nobody wants to <laughs> surface up, and that's why the media is probably not reporting this. Some people have subsidized coverage. We talked about that. The health care gov, you talked about how that's going to affect them. What do you think, though, is going to lead, has led to this increase? Why? Why have we seen it happen? We were expecting it. You talked about the risk corridor. Right. It went away. Right. Talk about the, the, the risk, whole deal. Yeah, the risk corridor was one of one of the issues. Again, that's going away. And so the insurance carriers don't have that 
uh, security blanket, I guess you could call it, to, to fall back on knowing that if the claims go higher, they can always rely on the government to pick up some of those costs. The other issues are the, the CBO estimates and what, what the people that were in charge of writing this bill estimated the amount of people. Excuse me. Yes. In charge? They didn't read it. <laughs> the people that wrote the the people that presented the bill that was written for them that they did not oh, read. Okay, I got better? you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> you know, now I'm not trying to play politics here, but I just think this. Oh, thing that's is, just truth. I but think. it's just truth, yeah. and it really is an issue that's going to show up. I think next year or the next as the train wreck. And yet you've just mentioned why it can't be fixed. Well, when you, you pre- can't go to four eighty five percent and say sorry. We're going to go back to what we used to do. That, that, will, that ain't going to work. It's not going to work. And when you predict 21 million people, new people into the system, and you only get 13 million, that's 8 million people, short. by my math, shortfall that you thought were coming into the system that didn't come into the system. That's a big issue, and that's going to cause rate increases. Uh, and that, I think those two things, the risk corridor and then the the inaccurate projections of the amount of people into the system are what leading to this increase. Shannon, I know you're getting a lot of calls about this. Yes. And I remind everybody, yeah. Shannon's the vice president of Shoemaker Benefits in our company and, and does a wonderful job, answers a lot of questions, a lot of calls. I guess because of this large increase in individual insurance, small businesses are really getting hit hard. The guy you're just talking about, the the guy that's cleaning the pools, the auto mechanic, the small business owner, uh, they're getting these increases in the, and they're not able to increase. Okay, I've got eight hundred or a thousand extra dollars in my account each in my budget each month. I'll just go ahead and pay that. No big deal. Yeah, that's no big deal. Yeah, that, that's, most of those guys go by shoestring to shoestring. Correct. That's and that's a big issue. And so what we're seeing a lot of small business owners um, look at are they're coming back to look at small group health plans. So while in individual health plans have been on a large increase over the last few years, 25% two years ago, 30% last year, 62% this year, small bit. Are you talking about Blue Cross Blue Shield? Those are the increases. Correct. Blue Cross Blue, Blue Cross. Shield. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, what we've seen, small business or small business group health plans, those increases have been relatively small, in some cases decreases over what, what they once had. So the average has been 4 5 6% on an increase on a small uh, small group health plan. And so what we see some of these small business owners doing, well, what would it cost me to have a small group plan? What are the requirements? Well, the requirements now that you have two employees uh, accept the plan. So that is the business owner plus one other employee. If you have two people, you can have a small group health plan. And so when you start comparing the pricing between today's numbers on a small group health plan versus an individual plan, the small group health plan is already cheaper. In 2017, it's going to be 60% cheaper <laughs> or somewhere in that neighborhood. I mean, it's already. So, so here's the thought for you, and this is kind of where I'm headed with this. And I know a lot of insurance carriers, a lot of insurance people that, that are in your role have quit dealing with the small businesses. They're only focused on the large companies. It's, it's, it may be less work. Right. It, it's more profitable. But they left that small business owner almost on an island, deserted. Correct, yeah. And I know you have said, we as a firm, you've made that a public statement, will not do that. We're trying to help them understand their options. Absolutely. And to help me with this, uh, there are multiple options. Just quickly give me thoughts of what you would do with that. So with a small business owner, when they come in and they say, Shannon, look, I've had an individual health plan with you for a couple of years. These increases are just, I can't afford these increases any longer. And I talk to them, ask them, all right, do you have any W-2 employees that work for you? How many do you have? Are they interested in a group health plan? They go back and do a little bit of research within their group, find out if their employees are interested, even if just one employee is interested. Then you can do something. Then we can do a group health plan. All right. I want to come back. When we come back, I want you to give us more detail about what they need to do. And the big question is the Department of Labor overtime rule. Shannon's going to share some light when we come back after this break. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Shoemaker Financial and Securian Financial Services do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should always consult their tax or legal professionals regarding their own specific situation. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search for Shoemaker Financial. 
Talk Money will return after this. The Osgood File, sponsored by the U.S. Postal Service, with free package pickup at your home or office. This is Charles Osgood on the CBS Radio Network. What do you get when you make a tent feel like a hammock? You get a portable treehouse that dangles above the dirt. It's called the Tent Sile, and we'll climb inside after this. Whether traveling or working remotely, we know your PC is your business headquarters. And when work takes you on the go, you need a laptop that can keep up. Dell's XPS 13 empowers small business owners to collaborate anywhere with incredible battery life and powerful performance. Reduce downtime by 50% and boost productivity with four times faster performance when you refresh the new Dell PCs featuring Intel Core processors. Visit dell.com slash radio. Auto Owners Insurance was founded with one goal, to put people's lives back together. When your life is disrupted by an insurance claim, it makes a difference to have a local agent help you through the storm. That's why Auto Owners Insurance is ranked highest in customer satisfaction in the auto insurance claims experience by J.D. Power. Experience the auto owner's difference. For J.D. Power information, visit jdpower.com. In Memphis, call Clay and Land Insurance at 901-767-3600. Ever since he was a boy growing up in London, Alex Shirley Smith has always been interested in spending time in the trees. I always wanted to be a treehouse architect, so I studied architecture. But instead of a treehouse, Shirley Smith created the tensile, a special type of tent that hangs above the ground. He says all you need is a spot in the middle of three trees. You get it out of the bag and you lay it on the ground and you point the corners towards the trees that you're going to, or the anchoring points that you're going to use, and then you wrap the straps or attach the straps to the anchoring points. You use ratchets to create the tension force and to lift the tent about four feet off the ground. No impact to the ground. You can take it into the wild. You don't need flat ground or a clearing. It means it's much more versatile, much more accessible, and much more able to go and take people camping in places that they've never camped before. Climbing into a tent that is suspended above the ground feels a lot like climbing into a hammock. There's a slight sensation of weightlessness as you kind of get into the thing because it bounces slightly and it's very soft underneath you. Alex's company, Tentsile Tree Tents, offers three different versions of the Tentsile, from a small tent to one for six people that can fit an entire family. And since the tent sale relies on trees, the company plants three trees for every tent that it sells to help slow down deforestation. As Alex puts it, if we're all hanging out in the trees, they can't be cut down. The Osgood File. This is Charles Osgood on the CBS Radio Network. I'm Chris Mauer, CNBC Business Radio. It looks like we're headed for another down day on Wall Street. Dow futures falling sharply after Boston Fed President Eric Rosengren made the case for a hike in interest rates. He says low rates are raising the chance of overheating the U.S. economy. More troubles for Samsung. The FAA is warning passengers not to turn on or charge their Galaxy Note 7 smartphones on airplanes because of the risk of fire. They're also being advised not to stow them in any checked baggage. And separately, the South Korean company asked a U.S. judge to allow it to pay handlers to remove its goods from Hanjin shipping vessels. Approximately $14 billion worth of cargo has been tied up as the container carrier has filed for bankruptcy. And Starbucks pumpkin spice lattes are crushing it on social media. There were an estimated 56 million tweets about the drink this week. Hey, Bob, how's business? Is the new website helping? Not good. I I can't figure out how to get the website finished. How did you do it? Easy. I called Web.com. They built my website for free. Then they promoted it on all the search engines. Like Google, Yahoo, and Bing? Exactly. And Web.com has helped grow my business so much, I had to bring on new staff. Hey, if Web.com did it for you, they're perfect for me. Call now, 1-800-535-8815. That's 1-800-535-8815. Again, 1-800-535-8815. At Walgreens, getting diabetes testing supplies with Medicare Part B is a walk in the park. Really, because getting what you need is quick and easy, giving you more time for other things. There's zero dollars out of pocket on all major brands like Walgreens True Metrics and no extra paperwork. So managing diabetes becomes a stroll down easy street or a trip to the movies or even a day at the beach. Talk to your pharmacist today. Walgreens at the corner of happy and healthy. Zero out of pocket costs when billed to Medicare and full coverage supplemental insurance. 
If you have financial questions that you would like answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. We're talking with Shannon Dyson and Ted Miner. We're talking about the Affordable Care Act. If you've just tuned in, we gave you some shocking, disturbing, large, grandiose news <laughs> that literally Shannon in the background is laughing. But, but really, you know, it shocks me that this is the type of information that we should be talking about, discussing, and they don't even hear the media discussing it, a 62% increase in your Tennessee health care with Blue Cross Blue Shield, 42% with Humana, 46% with Cigna. I'm off a little bit there with those percentages. Close enough. When you, when you get up to 40 and 60, is it real, does the notice of 2% really matter? Yeah, I, mean. I was going to say. You know, <laughs> at that point, when you get to 40%, who cares? Damage is done. That, yeah. You know, and that's what the care, the concern is. And that's the rate increase effective June, January the 2017 that you're going to be paying if you happen to be in one, with one of those carriers and you don't have an option. And what is the option? So, Shannon's been discussing that with us, Shannon Dyson. If you want to ask Shannon a question, give him a call at 757-5757. He works with individuals and small businesses dedicated to that small business in making decisions about how to cover four, five, six, ten, fifteen employees and how to handle that process. And I guess, Shannon, what I what I want to know is uh, we've we've actually seen where there's been stipend programs in the past. There's been all kind of issues. What what are you saying that these employees employers are going to have to do? What are you, what's your suggestion? So yeah, they come to uh, they come to me and they say we we can't afford these individual plans. And so once we find out that they do have an employee or a couple of employees that are interested in a health plan, we gather that information from that employer and we take that out to market just like we would do a hundred employee group, a two hundred employee group. Those we do the same process with those employers that we would do with them. You shop it around. We shop you it give around. Give it a chance to see who's Correct. got the competitive edge. At yes, and then we come back to them and present our findings. We make recommendations and then we can enroll them into that plan. Give them the same level of service that we would give a larger company. All right. In kind of a thought process in our final statements here, the Department of Labor has has taken the news. We've heard a lot about the Department of Labor. It's no. shocking. I think we've heard a lot about the Department of Labor. Right. You go out into the media and they don't say a lot about what's going on there. And no. again, to the public, they've heard a little, but they, they know that the Department of Labor is rattling its saber and talking about fiduciaries. But here's the issue. There's a Department of Labor ruling mm -hmm. coming out, done. It's not done. an option anymore. Right. It's done called labor overtime. Right. So tell me what that is. So it, it takes place December 1st is when the when it's, the ruling starts. And you're right. It, that's another thing. It has not been in the news like you would think it would be. Especially with the number of people it's affecting. It affects so many people. Yep. And so basically what this has to do with is how, how an employer – uh, pays overtime. And so what the rules have been, if you have a salaried employee that makes, I think the number is somewhere on 23 or 24, maybe $26,000 a year, you can classify them as salary and you are exempt as an employer from paying them overtime as long as they are continually getting the job done, the job duties that were put, were, uh, put out in their job description, period. So you pay them the salary, you're good as an employer. What the Department of Labor has done is, okay, we're taking that salary. We don't think that that's a high enough salary to be exempt from overtime. So we're raising that to $47,476 annually. That's more than doubled. Almost. More than doubled. Yeah, more than doubled. And so what that means to an employer now is that if you do not want to pay an employee overtime, you, you have a couple of choices. Start clocking their hours and making sure that they're only working 40 hours per week or bump their salaries up to $47,476 a year. Now, <laughs> choices. That's the, tough choices. Those here. are tough choices to make. <laughs> and what a lot of employees, when this does hit the news cycle, what a lot of them are going to hear is that if I am salaried, now I get to make $47,000 per year. And that's just not the case. So it's going to mean a lot of changes, not only for employers, but a lot of it changes for employees. Also. I mean, employees may have to, you know, those that have never thought about doing a, 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 a time clock chart, you know, a time clock. Yes. And it, they're it, going to have to, I mean, here's, I can see some of the people in our office now going to their time clock and 
punching a card. <laughs> it can be a status thing also. Sure. You have somebody that has salary. They, they've worked. They've made it into a salaried position. They're at $30,000, $38,000 per year. Now, all of a sudden, they are being forced by their employer to punch a time clock because if they don't, the employer has to have a way to clock those hours. Yeah, they can't. They can't just rely guess on it. that. No you, can, you can't guess. Right. If you have an employee as an employer, if you were to have an employee that you did not clock their hours, they leave your employment. They come back and they say, "Look, you didn't pay me overtime. You have to have proof that you clocked those hours." All right, I'm going to bug you now. We're going to come back and talk about that before December the first. It's a big issue. It is. It is a big issue for employers. It's a big issue for employees. And understanding it is what we need to get into. We're going to take a break with Rebecca Brazier. She's going to go through our Mid-South History moment. When we come back, we're going to find out, is Social Security going to make it? Is it bankrupt? Will it be around? We're going to find out with Ted Miner. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Helping you make the most of your money, this is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and his guests will return. When Nazi Germany achieved a surprise victory over France in 1940, an alarmed President Roosevelt immediately began expanding national defense industries at a breathtaking rate which greatly altered the face of the Mid-South. Within a year, two major defense industries were operating in Shelby County. Memphis became the U.S. 2nd Army Headquarters, where training for the half-million soldiers stationed in Tennessee was conducted. The nation's only inland naval base was established in Millington. Workers were hired wherever they could be found, and local factories were retooled for wartime production. During the war, the Ford plant was used to make airplane engines, Quaker Oats manufactured synthetic rubber, and Firestone produced rubber life rafts. Of the 40,000 men and women from Shelby County who served in our armed forces during World War II, 662 were either killed or missing in action. Among those who served, African Americans from the Mid-South fought with exceptional bravery and honor and contributed in countless ways to the defeat of Germany and Japan. One African American from Memphis who served with distinction was Captain Luke Weathers, who flew with the famed Tuskegee Airmen and shot down seven enemy planes. Weathers once said of Memphis before he died that this is a city that has its feet in the Mississippi its souls in the churches, and its minds up in the blue sky with God. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Podcasts of the Talk Money program are available for iOS mobile devices. Go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. Well, welcome back. I have Ted Miner with me. We're going to talk about how long Social Security is going to last. And Ted is a is a frequent guest also, specializes, does a lot of work with Social Security. And welcome to the program, Ted. Thank you, Jim. Glad Actually, you've been helping us along. So. Well, I've been amazed. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> yes, you have. We've all been amazed. I just hope they don't reach into Social Security and start paying for our <laughs> Doing our, the same our thing with it, <laughs> pulling in money out of there to pay for the Affordable Care Act. Okay. You know, I know Social Security, we talk about this a lot on the program, is the kind of the cornerstone to any type of retirement income or strategy. We talk about Social Security being a part of a, a family should a premature death occur for the breadwinner prior, you know, when he's young and got minor children. It's a part of, a, of the, the death benefit of right. what he needs. Mm-hmm. And I get they get this issue, the, cor- the concerns from a lot of people. And we get questions about that for the program and the concern is, will Social Security be around? Should are the benefits going to last? And and I know a lot of people. We ask, we think that we're concerned about it, and yet you have a good answer for it. Well, I I think it's kind of the opposite of what's happened with the the Obamacare thing. Uh, a lot of the information is out there, but people don't understand some of the information that's coming out. Uh, people hear that the the trust fund is going to go broke. Well, the trust trust fund is only part. It's only part of the revenue that that makes up the benefit. Mm -hmm. And the trust fund was basically built because of the years that they were collecting more taxes than they were actually paying out. So they built up this fund that had excess money in it. But today, 
77% of, of the payouts are coming from uh, your paycheck and my paycheck and everybody's paycheck that's coming in constantly. So even when the trust fund goes broke and they're saying that the trustees are saying that'll happen in, in 2034, even when that trust fund goes away, we still have 77% of the revenue that's needed that's coming in consistently just through the payroll. As long as we have a workforce, as long as we don't have a you know uh, unemployment, sure. high unemployment. That's so correct. That's where a lot of people get concerned is if the workforce is not there, if we're not bringing up the workforce. I mean, we've seen a shortage of workers. We've, uh, I mean, a lot of times we talk about the negatives of immigration, but when we compare us with foreign and other foreign countries, and I'm thinking of one in particular, in, in basically in Europe, that has had negative growth. Our immigration is at least allowing us to have consistent positive growth, and that's important for what you're talking about there. Sure, it is. Now, now the, the numbers we come, we get come from the actuaries and the trustees sure. and people that are running long-term numbers. As a matter of fact, is we're kind of discussing this now. But the the I don't know why they've chosen the year, but. They're looking at stabilizing this through 2090. That's 75 years into the future. And it's uh, it's kind of interesting. The trustees, when they look, and we get their support every year, when they look at the revenue for Social Security, uh, they actually make some suggestions themselves. The two things they look at is, okay, how do you increase revenue? How do you uh, how do you cut down benefits? The two things that most people would look at. And they're saying that if we were to, if today, and I think I think that's important because these things we're talking about is if there's no changes done, right. that's what will happen. Right. But if today we were to raise the Social Security uh, tax from 14.2%, if we raised it up another 2.5% or so, then there'd be enough revenue to, to secure the fund till 2090. Or if we lowered the benefit 16%, it would secure the fund till 2090 with no other changes. So so let's put that in. Let's make sure everybody understands that you have two choices. And this is just managing actuarial studies about the aging population, what Social Security is to provide, what's built to provide. You're saying lower the benefit 16 percent. You're good or raise the the income, you know, the tax 2.4 percent, 2.2 percent, somewhere in that range. And it goes to 2090. So just what we would see as minor adjustments fixes the problem. Well, and this is the suggestions that the trustees come up with. Okay. There's actually a bill that has been that doesn't even touch those two variables right there. There's actually a bill that was that that has been it's a bipartisan bill that has been uh, is has that been, possible today? <laughs> that's a good I question. Mean, I'm shocked that you said bipartisan. <laughs> it's a bipartisan. You're that's, going that's to go wash your it. mouth out because I know that's not true. Because the only way to have change is to have legislation change. Yeah. And uh, so we do have bipartisan bill, and actually there's there's some good things being said about the possibilities of this getting through. But where they have gone with the the legislation is instead of changing the rate, is today we pay. Uh, you pay uh, an employer sees six point two percent taken out of his paycheck. Right. His employer, his employer is paying six point two percent. If you're self-employed, you're paying that whole twelve point four. Right. Well, they're not looking at changing that rate up to fourteen percent like the trustees talked about. What they're doing is they're looking at changing that one hundred eighteen thousand dollars all the way up to by the year twenty twenty one three hundred and eight thousand dollars. So they're going to be taking the tax. From those people that are making over one hundred eighteen thousand dollars, that would be the one suggestion, and increasing it. And well, well let's be, make it, sure I get it, because again, I'm thinking of Shannon. How we don't hear a lot of things going on, all of a sudden it sneaks up on us. <laughs> That's right. You know that sixty percent increase. You're telling me today. You talked about the employer and the employee each sharing right in a percentage, and today you pay Social Security up to a hundred twelve point four percent. Mm-hmm. Either shared or total, mm-hmm. right? Up to one hundred eighteen thousand five hundred dollars in wages. Mm-hmm. After that, today we're not paying any more. Don't pay anything. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like at one hundred eighteen thousand, you've met your max, That's and you're paying it. Okay, mm-hmm. and everybody says, okay, I got to pay it for the first one hundred eighteen thousand dollars. Now, again, I know to a lot of people, we're realizing is that one hundred eighteen thousand. That's an individual. That's not. Personal, that's not family income, that's an individual. That's correct. But we're talking about, again, somewhat that backbone of America, the middle class, the group, the guy that's out there hustling, working, doing that. Now, I understand when we talk about that, 
that we're we're not talking about this group of people that are being subsidized in health care. We're talking about people that are paying the bill up to 100000 And now you're saying there's a bill, bipartisan bill. I love that word. I wish we could see more of that, bipartisan <laughs> bill. That's going to raise that up by 2021 up to 308000 So let me get it. 2017, 156000 2018, 194, then 232, then 270, and it moves, keeps moving, then it gets to 308,750 of continuing to pay Social Security up to that amount of income. Yeah, and in this bill, there's there's two parts to the bill, and just as the trustees looked at options of lowering benefits or raising revenue, their part of raising revenue, instead of raising the percentage, is to raise the income base, which is what we've just discussed. But the other part of the bill also changes the age. It moves it moves the age up two years. And you know we we've we've talked about the the how realistic that is. Probably that that the age should probably change just because of the longevity of people today and and the workforce. Instead of uh, the full retirement age being say 67, which is what it is today. They want to move that to 69 and the benefits will continue to increase up to age 72. Instead of today, they continue to increase up to age 70. So they're end up, they're moving that scale two more years. Just, just for the moving benefits. it two more years out. And that's right. And again, we do have longevity. People are collecting longer than they used to. I remember back when I started in a business that, uh, you know, if you were 65, you retired and in most cases, our mortality charts would tell us you were dead by 72. Uh, that was that didn't that seems impossible. Just well, it's been a while ago. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. I won't, I won't go there. We won't comment. No more comments. You know, I got way out in left field. I should have stayed where I was safe. <laughs> but but over 40 years ago, that's what we were talking about. So a change really of age just probably makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah. I mean, 1935, the Social Security system has been around for 80 years. In 1935, full retirement age was 65. Today, for those people born past 1964, that full retirement age is 67. It's only moved two years in 80 years, and the longevity of man has increased a lot. That is really the strain on the, the program that, that on the Social Security program that really wasn't designed is the longevity. So by moving the age out a couple of years, that'll help it a, a lot more. Shannon, let me ask you this as we talk about this. And if you just tuned in, Ted Miner, Shannon Dyson, Ted's discussing will Social Security last? Shannon was talking about the Affordable Care Act and the fact we've got some huge increases coming up in, in January. But, but guys, these are both government-subsidized programs. Just put it where it is, reality. Are they a train wreck? Are we looking at a train wreck, in your opinion, Shannon? You do this. You've been doing this a long time. Do you see this, or is it just something that we keep taxing uh, the working employee, and yeah. we just we just build it around that? And I mean, are we incentivizing people to not work and to, to get these benefits? Is that where we... Well, the question out that kept coming up in my mind as I was listening to you guys talk, because when you start talking about Social Security and and what you're going to make when you or when you retire and how long that's going to last, it just kind of makes... It kind of goes over my head. And so I was sitting there thinking, I was like, okay, so the CBO, which is in charge of making predictions right. on the healthcare market, they were off by 8 million people enrolling into the marketplace. I'm hoping these aren't the same people making these predictions about how long <laughs> Social Security is going to be solved. I cannot That's answer just, that question. <laughs> I was just wondering, I, you know, I don't I hope these aren't the same people that are making these predictions, but to your point, yeah, I think that there's there's something to be said for that. You know, you you've got a a system where we need, like we talked about earlier, we do need systems in place to help people afford health care. No question. Now, health insurance and health care are two different topics. And I think that's kind of where people start thinking, well, health care being if I'm sick or if I need something done for me, that is health care. Health insurance helps pay for that. And so what we kind of get into this, people, well, health care should be a right. Is, is health insurance a right? Is it a privilege? We get into those types of discussions. And so, yes, there needs to be health care for everyone. But what we've done is make health insurance for everyone and we've tried to put a a program in place to do that and i think we're seeing what happens when you have a 2000 was it 2000 but no 
20,000 page bill that nobody read yeah, and nobody 2, knows. By the way, that's just a preamble. <laughs> nobody knows what's going to happen. Right. Um, when these things start being implemented and you start seeing how this actually affects the American people, that's when you start saying, well, you know, this thing needs to be tweaked. We need to, and, and there are just to, for a future uh, episode, there are new programs coming into the market uh, that we can talk about for individuals and the free market will always find a way, right? Well, if there's, if we, if we, Put something in, and it looks like it's uh, if you, if you give free thinkers uh, an option to make something happen, they'll make it happen. And there are options coming into the you market. You know, that's probably the best thing we've said this whole program is reality. We do have two programs. It is they are necessary. The free thinkers. The, if we ever change that in America, that free enterprise mentality that we can figure things out and make it work. If we ever change that, we're in trouble. That, then it becomes really socialism. And I think that's an issue, Ted. Well, I I think if there's a a parting thought I want to leave with people is that the fact that we're having discussion, I think, and the fact that we're looking at 2090, the fact that there's a bill out there that's trying to stabilize the 2090, I believe that it is a very, I think it's a very good bet, especially people that are 55 and older, that they can be fairly secure in in planning for their Social Security benefits. But if they're talking about 2090, uh, you know the twenty five the twenty five year old he's he's ninety by the time you get to twenty well he's a hundred but if it's stabilized to twenty ninety yeah. at least those people we're talking to now we can we can use those numbers to calculate the benefit now if I'm dealing with a twenty five year old I'm going to try to instill in that twenty five year old that he needs to be saving he needs to be putting aside money into his four one k and putting money aside uh, the reality won't be around for another seventy five years right. in terms of what this does right let me ask you this quickly then. Uh, how do you think the chance of this bipartisan bill passing? Is it good? Well, it's receiving both good and uh, bad marks on both sides, which is kind of good. Yeah. The Democrats, uh, they hate raising the age, and the Republicans ha- hate more taxes. But uh, the officers from the Government Affairs of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce have strongly supported this bill, and they say there's a lot of good things on both sides of it. There's some uh, watch groups that are really positive about it, and they support it from a budgetary standpoint. So. So I believe it's got a, a very – now, whether or not these, this will be the actual numbers that when the final bill is done, I believe that there's there's a lot of positive forces behind it to make it happen. So plan for Social Security being around? I would plan for it to be around. Plan for a rate increase coming up in January if you happen to have Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Cigna, Humana, substantial rate increase. Substantial, correct, yes. Plan and, for and it. Large, large. gigantic. <laughs> One of those biggies. Yeah. And we need to think about that. How you know, planning through that. I want both of you to come back on the program again because what we've talked about is things that are so critical and so foundational to everybody's wallet, everybody's pocketbook. And yet the media is not telling us there's an increase. The media is not telling us that how to figure things out. And I think that's all part of the process. I think everybody has to do that. Absolutely. So thanks, yep. guys. Shannon Dyson. And Ted Miner, if you'd like to give him a call, just call him at 757-5757. We're talking about health care. We're talking about Social Security. They can give you some great insight, and do do that. My producer and board operator today has been John McCommon, and I thank him so much for doing a great job. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner, production assistant, Eleanor Moscovich. Mid-South History Moment by Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and we're here every week helping you Make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Ted Miner, registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.